This ain't like when you're at a game and sign up for a credit card just to get the prize and then you immediately cancel the credit card. Because there's no prize when you sign up for our radio shows at iTunes or with your favorite podcatcher. Sportsnet 590, the fan on demand. And so just like that, the postmortem begins on this Maple Leaf season. It's time for Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Nick Alberga, and Gord Stelic at the Gold Muzzy at Gord Stelic. Many thanks to Sam McKee and Danielle Furtado for their hard work behind the scenes. And uh, for the second time in five games, Jonas Corposalo, yes, the household name of Jonas Corposalo, shutouts the Maple Leafs and sends them on their way out the bubble. I guess the silver lining, it'll be a quick, quick jaunt home for the Maple Leafs. But Gord, uh, Unbelievable, again, is probably the right word for the third straight game and just massively disappointing, I think, when you look at this season in a nutshell for the Maple Leafs. Um, I'm glad you said the whole season because you're right. The season has been massively disappointing. And I'm saying all this before I'm saying Brendan Shanahan's gone, Kyle Dubas is gone, Sheldon Keefe is gone, Larry Tannenbaum has to sell the team, Austin Matthews is gone. Like like all those other post-mortem things. I mean, because it it will be looked at, you know, constructively, about how you go about it, and and you know there will not be a massive overhaul. It's really tough to do in a um, in a cap world. But to your point, like like this has happened too often. This is the second year where it's ridiculous. Last year it was against Boston. This year against Columbus. This kind of game again tonight. Uh, they weathered the worst because they came back and won Game Four. So it's a little bit it, it softens it a bit. But there's no excuse. This is four years that the creme de la creme has been in the NHL. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Freddie Anderson, and uh, and and Morgan Riley have been seven years, and, and so it goes. So the inability to close a deal is is something that this team's unable to do. And maybe next year, and again, maybe next year, it'll come, they win the cup or whatever, or they'll just start closing deals. I don't know. And then a big part of it is they will go with a lot of the status quo, and maybe, maybe that will happen. But you know what, Nick? Your point is... From the word go, this is the first of, I don't know how many years, because Lou Lamorello's first year, we all knew it was like, just come dead last, and every, and, and basically there'll be some pain and you get some gain, and Leaf fans bought into it, and there was. And then from then on, they got a standing ovation when they got eliminated by Washington, which only happens once. You get a standing O when you get eliminated. And then it's gone on and on and on and on, these legacies of playoff disappointments. They were supposed to close the gap on Boston and Tampa Bay in the East the last two years. The gap has actually widened. And I'm sorry, Columbus Blue Jackets without Matt Duchesne, Sergei Bobrovsky, Artemi Panarin, you name it, Leafs have no business talent-wise losing to this kind of team in the playoffs. And again, if you're just tuning in, the Maple Leafs falling 3 nothing here in Game 5 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And yet again, they are ousted. And I guess officially don't make the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 15-16. The postmortem underway. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic. Uh, we hope to hear from Chris Johnson of Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca and Hockey Night in Canada from Scotiabank Arena later on. Hopefully hear from Sheldon Keefe. We'll hear from some of the players as well. And, and try our best to start uncovering, which I think we're, we're both right in bringing up, Gord. From the beginning, this team never got going, right? You know, you look into the month of November, it was, oh, Babcock. You know, they need to make a change. They bring in Sheldon Keefe. There was an initial boost for this team. Granted, there was some injury concerns. But outside of that boost of, what, seven, eight games where they really got on a roll, they failed to get going, which is crazy to say because this team did rack up some wins. They racked up some goals. But from a total standpoint of putting everything together, 
there's probably a handful of games this season, I think you would agree, where the Maple Leafs for the team, they look at least like the team that we, we know they're capable of playing like, no? Yeah, you know, right when Sheldon Keefe took over, and I'll give him a lot of credit for it, like, wow, they really went on a tear. But, it, you know, I got so ticked about that Florida game where they acted like they didn't realize the Florida Panthers were battling <laughs> Nick and Tuck for the playoffs, and Sheldon yep. Keefe felt the same. I believe there was a Chicago game, whatever it may be. And then just before the pause, that horrible California trip where you felt like saying, um, do you guys and, – and, and hey – I don't like being a smart ass on the media side because I respect all professional athletes, what it took to get to get there. Yeah. I do realize they're going out there trying to win games, but do you not understand against these three teams, which ultimately didn't even get in the play in round, the three worst teams in the West, like these games really matter and you kind of are showing up to them like they didn't. Now then before the pause they had a real solid game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But whatever. Wasn't enough. You know, they you know, Sheldon Keefe said the other night when they uh, came back when Columbus came back and won the game. Leafs got what they deserved in that game, the way he felt they played. You know, this series, they really got what they deserved. This is how they played all year. It's disappointed me. It's the first year I've been disappointed by this gang. Do mm-hmm. I believe in this gang? The core? Yeah, I do. Are they are they overpaid and contracts are out of whack? Yeah, but I still believe in this gang. So let's start with that. Uh, Tyson Berry, Alexander Kerfoot, just didn't happen. Didn't happen. Cody Ceci, didn't really happen so much, right? You know, just mm-hmm. the moves that were made in the offseason. Uh, Jack Campbell, I think they got a solid backup goaltender. Last Agreed. year, the Jake Muzzin trade was a solid trade. But, you know, you're trying to do some tweaks, and uh, and and the tweaks are part of the reason why you took a step back. Yep, uh, all valid reasons, all valid points. Uh, I think ultimately when I look back at this season and look at this exit, it's totally unacceptable. And again, over the next hour or so, we'll, we'll try to, you know, decipher what's next for this Maple Leafs team. Again, we're not even going to joke about it. The Maple Leafs, as we stand right now, have a 12.5% chance of landing the first overall pick, if you can believe this. Uh, Alexi okay. Lafreniere will go first yeah. overall. Okay, share your thoughts. Go ahead. So, no, I just say, because, yeah. Nick, I was just going to talk about there's eight teams that mm-hmm. are doing postmortems. I, I mean, yeah. uh, some started a while ago. The New York Rangers got a head start on it. And, you, and every one of them, you can look at different angles, and the Rangers probably say, you know, we had a solid regular season. The playoff thing taints it a little bit, and, you know, on and on. Minnesota probably feels relatively positive given where they were and whatever. Pittsburgh, it's disappointing, but they've got Stanley Cup rings. Edmonton is disappointing, but they, you know, they will claim nobody said they should make the playoffs, even though they got two hard trophy winners in it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the Toronto Maple Leafs, and so, there, so there's like all these eight different scenarios. One of those scenarios, what do you do next, will be eliminated tomorrow just after 6 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. Okay, because you get Alexis Lafreniere and you get him. You get them on the entry level salary just when because of the pandemic, the whole the whole world of, of the cap has gone wacko. So all of a sudden now, if the Maple Leafs, the one in a chance comes to fruition that nobody deserves any credit for that. But that that that's a huge that's going to be a huge win for one team tomorrow. Huge win. Tomorrow night, one team will say game, set, match. Let's not talk anymore about our season. Seven other teams will kind of say, OK, here's how we're dissecting it and, you know, taking a look and where we need to go next year. So because tonight's a bit different and this is our final Leafs Nation post game of the season, I encourage everybody to tweet in your thoughts. I know we're not opening up the phone lines, but tweet in your thoughts. Just, um, you know, if you can make it uh, audible for air, we'll, we'll try to read some of your tweets as to how you feel right now and maybe the prospects of getting Alexi Lafreniere. So you can tweet in at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic. Again, the Maple Leafs dropping a 3 nothing game here in Game 5. Jonas Corpusalo, the shutout. Um, you know, a bewildering stat to me, and maybe not so much bewildering because we knew Columbus is a strong five-on-five team, Gord. 
Columbus outscoring the Maple Leafs in this series five on five, ten to three. So I ask you this question. I was wondering about it all night. How much how much respect and stick taps, if you will, do we give to Columbus for the style of play, the way they played in this one? Because let's not forget, this is not and, and granted, their team was a bit different last spring, but a very similar team to the Maple Leafs in Tampa. Columbus just knew the magic potion, the magic ingredient. They knew how to beat that team four games in a row. The Maple Leafs won a couple games in this series. How much respect does John Tortorella and Columbus deserve uh, for for beating Toronto in five games here, Gord? Tons. And keep yeah. in mind where they came back from tonight, okay, after yeah. the last game. And, they, you know, part of it, I'm watching the game with some friends as well because it's a unique world that we're doing it uh, in different locations. And yeah. uh, my friend Paul Hyatt just said, this really hasn't been a compelling game tonight. No, a lot of it really like this was. Where was like, the enthusiasm, wow. Gordo, from yeah. the Leafs' perspective? You know, yeah, you know, it just it really has been a playoff series in a lot of ways. There's a lot of you know good things to appreciate, but not any kind of wow, wow playoff yeah. series that way. So it's um, but that's that, to that point, Gordo. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's what Columbus wants, right? They they yeah. want they want to lull you to sleep. I'm sure they listen to my. Uh, my playoff primers heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. I thought patience and poise will be the key to the series. Every game, I would argue, uh, you know, you know, notwithstanding a couple minutes, especially last game, uh, they were played to a T exactly what Columbus wants their opponent to get stressed out and annoyed, right? Well, yeah, yeah. So absolutely about that. And again, I'm not anti-analytics. I'm not at yeah. all. But file them, okay, because playoff hockey is the simple things about hitting guys, being aggressive in the offensive zone, knocking guys off the puck, doing those kind of things, and Columbus just did that. And, you know, Mike Milbury tweeted that before. Like, it's true. It's just I don't think any other sport changes, for better or for worse. I don't think basketball changes in the playoffs. Baseball, I don't think changes one iota or football about, mm-hmm. you know, when you get into the playoffs. But hockey has got that different kind of vein. You know, again, like Freddie Anderson played really – well all in all but again but he lets a weird there's goal the butt dot 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 right yeah a game five and a yeah. game seven but then yeah you know you don't you don't do enough as you don't even score a bloody goal as a team exactly. so you know how are you going to help him bail out that way and mm-hmm. um yeah columbus played their game way more than the leafs played their game and i do you know i i don't criticize putting the top guns together for the toronto may police it was an act born out of desperation it got those three going it got that absurd finish the other night but again, when you had that one line, it seemed you had no other lines going. Definitely. And just, I think a lot of soul searching in this market, a lot of soul searching in that locker room. You wanted the money. You got the money. Uh, I, I hate to pinpoint players. I thought Willie Nylander was very, very disappointing the way he played tonight um, for a guy. And again, you hate to correlate the price tag on the player, but you make around 7 million bucks. You better be noticeable. And I don't know if it was a switch to center that line just, it, it looked, and you know, that's my wonder too, my concern too. You decide to make a line change and play three guys together who haven't played together at all, um, you know, last time I checked, and then throw them onto a line together for a deciding game. Granted, nobody else is scoring anyways, but the chemistry was lacking. They had a couple ill-advised plays, Gord. Let's not forget Tyson Berry got hurt late in the second period, didn't play the rest of the hockey game. They were limited to five defensemen. By now, I'm not going to rip on Marty Marincin anymore. He shouldn't be in the National Hockey League. I stick with that. Um, and again, depth in the back end is something I think if I'm Kyle Dubas, I have to address here in the offseason, is it not? I mean, clearly not enough for this team. You lose Jake Muzzin um, and you're forced to put Marty Marincin in uh, and you're still trying to develop guys like Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren. That's that's one of the, you know, de- you know, a lot of changes I think, in my opinion, at least this team needs to make is try to find depth. But I mean, it's going to be difficult with this cap situation too. 
Yeah, you know, and in in your case, I think you're a little too young, but you certainly know mm-hmm. of it. And I, I know enough people out there remember. So you talk about the runs in 1993 and 1994, and yeah. we and you know the memory is Doug Gilmore, Dave Anderchuk gets 50, Nikolai Borshevsky's overtime goal, Felix Potvin and goal, whatever, whatever. But in a short period of time, uh, Todd Gill was the only holdover from the Leaf Group. Floyd Smith added uh, Bob Rouse and Dave Ellett. Cliff Fletcher added Jamie McCowan and Sylvan Lefebvre in trades. And mm-hmm. so you had a core of five. None was your stud D, you know, but you had a solid D that that team needed so the Doug Gilmores and that could survive and win trophies and all those kind of things. So, you know, you, you, know, you, you know, it'd be great if you could pull the William Nylander like Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones deal out mm-hmm. there. Doubt you can do it. It's hard to can, find, yeah. Yes, but you can get yeah. a better decor over the span of X number of years to use a comparable back then. And again, if you're under a certain age, you don't remember it, but I'm certainly, I think you know about it, but a lot of other people just, it's not, there There was never a wow person that came, but all of a sudden, very quietly, you built, you built a very respectable defensive core together, and you really didn't tear anything apart that way. But anyway, that that that's, yeah, because Cody Cece and Tyson Berry, the good news is they're both unrestricted free agents, and, um, you know, it's, wow, Tyson Berry, I love the guy in Colorado. There, there's what a fall I, from Gray scored. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't even talk about him now in the I know. well, the unrestricted free agents. There's no, there's no money now in the UFA market compared to before. I respect what he did in Colorado. It just never happened here, and he probably was a great example about what a mismatch it was. Why, why Mike Babcock probably in hindsight shouldn't have been back as your head coach given these kinds of fits because he wasn't in sync with Tyson Berry being on the team, but. You know, the Mike Babcock thing's gone now. That that one sale. There's no excuses about Mike Babcock being coached this year. Yeah, I really can't make any excuses for this one. Bottom line, uh, Toronto was the favorite in this series and didn't get the job done. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic here on Leafs Nation. Post-game season is over. It's finished. After I called it a Kawhi moment the other night, I was dead wrong as per usual. A 3-0 win here for Columbus. They deserve a lot of credit. Um, I thought that forecheck Gordo was relentless, um, you know, very similar to what we've seen earlier on in this series, especially when Columbus had success. And, you know, I think especially with Tyson Berry down for the third period, Jake Muzzin out for this hockey game, um, you, you really started to see the lack of depth on the back end. Uh, Morgan Riley uh, didn't even play like himself again in this series. I don't know what's going on in terms of a confidence level there. Um, but, you know, Columbus clogged the lanes. Uh, but certainly I think you look at Toronto's back end, um, the Jackets just knew how to infiltrate the D and, and make them work and, you know, force them to make tough plays and tough passes. The breakout was another concern for me tonight. Uh, I Quite honestly, I felt like Columbus schooled Toronto uh, in this game, just in, in sort of, you know, the way they played as a cohesive five-man unit. And it's weird to say, but I think the Maple Leafs can learn a lot about themselves um, playing a team like Columbus. Because you want to talk about the word team, Gordo, and I'm not calling anybody out here, but Columbus plays like a damn hockey team, do they not? Uh, well, absolutely. Absolutely. They they do. They do. And they're a team that lost all their best players like last year. Yeah. And they just kind of went about business as usual, um, you know, getting at it. And they understood that the, uh, you know, the, the sum is, is bigger than the individual. And uh, no question about it. And it, it's, it, you know, Morgan Riley. I love Morgan Riley. I, I love Morgan Riley. Me on too. The Toronto Maple Leafs. And there's so many positives in this series. I think he started to try to do too much. Because kind of what what Jones and Wenske do were doing successfully for the Blue Jackets, you know, he started trying to do for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, be that 
be that guy, add a little bit of offense that way. He had one really good rush that way uh, late in the game, whatever. God, you know, John Tavares got robbed. Andreas Janssen got robbed. I'm trying to think of any, but, there, you know, there weren't a billion chances, though. Like, it's not like... Well, Gordo, I was watching this game, maybe because there was no crowd to yell shoot, but I and maybe, again, you know, it's so easy, and that's why we always laugh when we're in the building to watch the games, Gord, that the crowd just yells shoot. Maybe it's just Columbus clogging the lanes, right? Because there's a couple opportunities. Like, Austin Matthews has one of the hardest shots, one of the best shots in the league, and would not fire the puck. Morgan Riley, same goes for him on the back end. I had to double check how many times Morgan Riley shot the puck in this series, and it was actually over 15, if you can believe it, but... I think they a lot in this series, they made life too easy on Columbus defensively. Would you agree? You know, and I and again, I, I gave them some slack because they made it work last game, right? And mm-hmm. whatever they did. But I, I agree with you. Like they've, they've got a way that they know where everybody is. And they, but that's when it's working. Otherwise, like, like I thought to start a game two, Mitch Marner had not had a shot on goal in game one. And, like, he took a shot in the first minute, and they took six shots in the first four minutes, the Leafs did. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, you know, just, like, like just get that credo going, okay? Just get, you know, fancy schmancy, whatever. Like, get get the other thing about pucks to the net and all those corny cliches and whatever. And tonight they went back to, you know, the fancy world again. And just, you know, a couple of times when you thought, geez, I thought you are going to shoot it. There was one, did, did, did am I wrong that Nylander took it behind the net? Which games am I getting mixed up about? But... Nylander had a great scoring chance and then took it behind the net and you know there, yeah. there, there's just so many of those that I that I that, that kind of cross my memory it's just it, it's funny like the Boston Toronto series there's so many so many many more moments even Nazem Kadri like the absurdity of him getting suspensions in both playoff series the last couple of years and but but this one just had a you know th- th- this one just kind of had a vanilla vanilla uh, script to it that bode well for the Columbus Blue Jackets and except for five minutes the Toronto Maple Leafs let Columbus act out that script urgency and desperation Gord have been buzzwords as you know working with me all season long I've used and I can count on one hand when I really saw that from the Maple Leafs and again a lot of it stemmed from when Mike Babcock was let go and Sheldon Keefe was brought in and that's more so because players knew they were playing for their jobs in ice time and then you guys are coming from the AHL but ever since then it's just been such a uh, consistently inconsistent team which again does not make sense because you look at this roster on paper I don't care who you have on your back end because there's plenty of examples over the last several years Pittsburgh one of them who were really really successful uh, with not a deep back end, with you know Chris Letang. Granted, Toronto does not have a Chris Letang, but Pittsburgh, the one year, all their guys were heard. They had Chris Letang on the back end and a bunch of I've never heard of yous, and they found a way. But I, I, it just it goes to grinding it out. I think Austin Matthews was fantastic in this series. I think by far Toronto's best player from the beginning. Yeah, he had a couple problems, but I mean he was an absolute beast. He played physical. I loved everything I saw from him. But just, you know, the depth guys go to another thing this team has to look at. And, you know, they made the indication that every season, more likely than not, there's going to be some changes in, in terms of the bottom six, uh, bottom six, especially given the cap situation. But outside of the first, what, three weeks of the season, uh, you know, guys like Alex Kerfoot, Andreas Janssen, Kasperi Kapanen, not to name names again, but we have to. They just weren't consistent enough. You, you can't ride the top guys as much as you think you can, and especially in the playoffs, you need offense from everywhere. And this Maple Leafs team, Gord, tonight was a perfect illustration. And I, w- I won't lie, I was not a fan of having the nuclear line play the entire game for the most part together 
because the Columbus D, it was just so much easier for them to game plan because nobody else is doing anything out there. Yeah, and I see, you know, I got to tell you another disappointing guy for me, and I, I think the guy will be great in the big picture. But again, we're going to pack it for the summer and talk about how great Austin yeah. Matthews is and Mitch Marner and John Tavares and on and on, yada, yada, yada. But they've got zero playoff victories as a team. Ilya Mikhaev, and he, you yes. know, he, he kind of got uh, benched a little bit or put to the fourth line today. I don't even know what but the do lines you, were anymore. I don't. Do you, I mean, and, and I'm again, yeah. I'm not faulting it. He just kind of uh-huh. there was kind of a hail Maryness to what was done tonight, which is what they did the last five minutes successfully, and they kind of did that for puck drop tonight. But I, I thought he would do something, and you know, uh, Andreas Johnson in for Nick Robertson. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have a problem with one. It is what it change. is. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like we said. From the word go, because we kidded about it when they got back their training camp and every day Nick Robertson, because that's the kind of heightened market it is. People know their hockey in Toronto, so they talk about the new kid in town. And But it, it, Nick Robertson wasn't going to be a difference maker in this series. So it's nice he got his first goal. It would have been nice if they would have hung on and won that game. And so I'm fine with that. But then how about Liam Foody? Again, it's a soft oh, goal. But goodness, you know what? Yeah. We talk about the kids getting a break. See, that's, that, that's a real timely goal, what he got tonight. Oh, I, I thought Liam Foody was outstanding in this game. Um, you know, and again, it, it echoes the sentiments, the lines of, of Nick Robertson. Liam Foody's got a bright career ahead of him. Of course, the former captain for a year of the London Knights in the Ontario Hockey League. At this age, to play a team, uh, you know, in the playoffs, the bright light's on you. I think he got better and better as this series went. And, um, you know, to that note, too, not to pick on Tyson Berry, but there was a shift where Berry and Hall were on together and they were being worked by an 18-year-old Gord. That is tough to see in my eyes. And again, you can point your fingers in different directions, Gord, but I think it's pretty ironic that a team that prides itself on being a, an offensive weaponry who can score goals gets completely shut down. And I don't know what's going to stem of this on Toronto Sports Radio here in 590 Sportsnet, 590 The Fan tomorrow. Uh, but I think a lot more props and respect deserves than than they had gotten in, in the previous weeks to the Columbus Blue Jackets because ultimately they found a way to shut down this team, which is pretty damn impressive in my world. Yeah, and that's what and that's what John Tortorella preached all year long. I mean, the the points were very were minimal really at the end of the year between Columbus and Toronto. But it goes back to yeah. it. you know Toronto's supposed to be a dominant regular season team. That's you know that's what they're supposed to be at some point, and it didn't happen. The season before last, they kind of just, you know, were, and then this last year they took a step back. Where Columbus, yep. everyone predicted we're going to go down, down, down with all the losses, and they just kind of said, and I'm repeating myself, but the but the the sum is equal more to than to the individual parts. And you know, it's funny, Nick Foligno, of who you you cannot respect a guy more in the NHL than Agreed. Nick Foligno. And yeah. He mentioned we like the year before last during a regular season game. He just made a nondescript comment that he found the Leafs easy to defend. You know, so um, and I don't know. Maybe it's just against Columbus. I don't know. Whatever reason, it's not their game, Gord. Though it's not their game. Like you know, and I I, you can solve the debate. Yeah, go ahead. So, oh, last one. Anyway, having Seth Jones, Mm -hmm. Zach Wierenski helps helps that. And also keep in mind, you know, when we go back to those five minutes, um, Zach Wierenski was hurt. Yeah. They dressed seven D yeah. tonight. Columbus uh, it, did in case you're right. And, didn't go, and he went. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things where it, it just it was not a good opponent. We're not making an excuse. Not a good opponent for the Maple Leafs, and in general, they they were schooled a bit uh, in this series. And Columbus deserves a lot of respect for the way they played defense. Uh, it, it was simply impressive to watch. But again, it's going to be a really really long off season ahead for the Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, I should tell you as well, coming up at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Monday, 
Make sure to tune in to Tim and Sid. <laughs> I say this begrudgingly. Love the show, uh, but more so why you're going to tune in is because of the draft lottery will be aired. Um, and we'll see if the Maple Leafs, who have a 12.5% chance of landing the first overall pick, do so. We're just getting started here on Leafs Nation postgame. It is Nick Alberga and Gord Stellick, the postmortem underway. That's right, the Maple Leafs falling 3 nothing to Columbus. Season is over. You're listening to Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 5.9 in the fan. After a meal like that, you deserve a little dessert. This is Leafs Nation postgame on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and the Leafs Radio Network. Uh, Lance Hornby, the Toronto Sun. For John, what happened to the offense tonight and in this series in general? Well, we know we're playing a good uh, structured defensive team. Obviously, uh, two goalies that had really good seasons. Uh, we knew it'd be a challenge, and um, obviously we have to find a way um, to break through. We had some good chances, um, some unfortunate, uh, unfortunate breaks, and then a couple chances. And uh, you know they do a good job of really clearing the front of the net on second and third opportunities, and we weren't able to find some of those seconds today. Um, yeah, you know I thought we generated uh, good looks, and you know at times. Uh, you know, they, they push back well, and uh, so they got some quick forwards that can counter. Uh, they block a ton of shots, but uh, it's obviously on us to find a way to break through that and then come up with the results that we need. A sample size from the podium you're about to hear here following a disappointing Game 5 loss for the Maple Leafs, 3-0 against Columbus. It's Nick Alberga and Gord Stelic here on Leafs Nation post game on Sportsnet 5-9 in the fan. Morgan Riley and John Tavares having to face the music of dropping another meaningful and important game for the Maple Leafs here in the playoffs, losing this series in five games. Again, you can follow us on Twitter and send us your thoughts on Twitter at the Golden Muzzy at Gord Stelic. But it is a team, Gord. So, I mean, you, you can't point the finger at one player, but uh, certainly John Tavares would have loved to have uh, that slot opportunity back in the first period where he hit the post. Well, absolutely. And as we, you know, see, no, totally, totally. And I thought he, yeah. you know, him and Austin Matthews had a yeah. real solid series and not the same for William Nylander and Mitch Marner of their Agreed. You know, big group all in all. But, uh, you know, it's funny, um, tweets coming out like Aaron Portsline, who covers Columbus, just saying, you know, they look at it that Sergei Bobrovsky okay. or Temi Panarin and Matt Duchesne not advancing and the guys they left behind advancing. So there is the... You know the star group, but there's also the the team the the team group, the guys in the trenches, all that kind of stuff. That you got to get more cohesiveness as far as the whole Toronto Maple Leaf entity is. Very well said, Gordon. As we heard a bit there uh, from the uh, post game and post series um, podium, let's hear more now. Uh, Morgan Riley and the captain John Tavares following this disappointing loss. Question for Austin Terry, coach of the Sun. Austin, can you? Uh... Sum up what you're feeling right now with this disappointment of going home a lot earlier than you guys expected to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to really say to that question. Honestly, it's uh, obviously very disappointing. Uh, you know, lots of uh, you know, mixed emotions kind of going through all our heads right now, but, you know, obviously very frustrating. Next question in the media center. Mitch, I'm not saying this had anything to do with the outcome, but I'm really curious when you look back, how did it feel really to play without any fans? Did that affect intensity level at all or joy or anything along those lines? Mm, no. I mean, honestly, it, it, I didn't think I really noticed it or our team noticed it when we were playing. Next question upstairs. 
Mark Masters, TSN. Mitch, what made it so hard to generate offense five on five in the series against the Jackets? Um, we talked about from day one, they're doing really well and holding the middle. Um, we knew when they get their, their lead, they just they lock down the neutral zone. Thought we had some chances, uh, but just didn't go in. We'll do one more from the media center. Jonas Siegel, The Athletic Austin. What do you think you can learn as a group from a season like this? Um, I don't think anybody's really, I guess, played through a season, something, uh, you know, quite like everybody went through with obviously the pause and everything. But, I mean, I think there was a lot of ups and downs. And um, obviously this is, uh, you know, more of a frustrating uh, way to end it, obviously. But... Um, you know, I thought at times in the season, uh, you know, we showed a lot of really good things, a lot of resilience from our group. Um, you know, tonight, obviously, uh, you know, it's a game of inches out there. And um, like Mitchie said, we had some chances. Puck, uh, puck didn't go in the net. And, uh, you know, it's obviously a tough pill to swallow, but you know, it's, it's very disappointing. Last question for Dan Rosen, NHL.com. Uh, yeah, Austin, uh, admittedly, I would understand if this is hard to think about at this time, but do you see in these games, when you get into these games that are, you win, you move on, you lose, you're eliminated, game sevens or game five in this case, is there any common theme that runs through your team of why it's just that one little extra step is harder to, to overcome at this point? I don't really have an answer for that question, to be honest. All right, fair enough. That's uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, their podium right there. From there, we're going to hop along as promised. Here's the captain, John Tavares, and uh, he's in a dual podium as well with Morgan Riley. Uh, Lance Hornby, the Toronto Sun. For John, what happened to the offense tonight and in this series in general? Well, we know we're playing a good uh, structured defensive team. Obviously, uh, two goalies that had really good seasons. Uh, we knew it'd be a challenge, and um, obviously we have to find a way um, to break through. We had some good chances, um, some unfortunate, uh, unfortunate breaks, and then a couple chances. And uh, you know they do a good job of really clearing the front of the net on second and third opportunities, and we weren't able to find some of those seconds today. Um, yeah, I, you know I thought we generated uh, good looks, and you know at times. Uh, you know, they, they push back well, and uh, obviously they got some quick forwards that can counter. Uh, they block a ton of shots, but uh, it's obviously on us to find a way to break through that and, and come up with the results that we need. Next question from the media center. Hi, this is from Morgan, Kevin McGrant, Toronto Star. Morgan, can you kind of sum up how, how, disappointing you, how disappointed you feel, and is there any comparison to uh, uh, last year in Boston, uh, that sort of thing? Like, just is, what's going through your mind in these moments? Well, it's hard to put it all into words. I mean, it might take some time to digest a little bit, but it's definitely a bad feeling, bad taste. And uh, comparing to a loss in Boston, uh, this one's different uh, for sure, for obvious reasons. Uh, I mean, whether that makes it worse or easier to deal with, I don't know. Uh, but right now, it certainly feels like it, it, it's, it's harder to live with. But um, yeah, I mean, I can't really put all my emotions into words. I don't have the vocabulary to do that. Next one upstairs. Yes, for John, it's Chris Johnson from Sportsnet. Uh, I'm wondering on your chance in particular, John, uh, the one that hit the post, what, you know, how that developed in your eyes and 
And, and you know, what are you trying to do there? Yeah, Morgan uh, made a great play. Uh, Mitchie did a good job kind of breaking into the middle, causing some confusion. And I just tried to get it off quick, seeing uh Salo was, you know, obviously really sold on on Mo shooting it and me great, great, great pass. And, you know, I saw Seth Jones right in front and obviously he's a big dude. He's got big feet. Um, so I just tried to keep it along the ice, uh, along the short side. My, my hand slipped just a, just a tad. I got a, maybe a little bit more on the heel than I wanted to, but in saying that, uh, obviously a great opportunity that I want to finish and um, still got good wood on it. And unfortunately it was, you know, maybe half an inch, quarter of an inch too much to the right. And, you know, didn't hit the post and go in or even just sneak on the right side. We'll take two more from the media center up next. Mark Masters, TSN. Morgan wanted to get your perspective on why it was so tough to generate offense against the Jackets in this series. Yeah, I mean, John just talked about it. Um, so pretty much what he said. Um, it's the style they play. They're very defensive uh, and they're good at it. Uh, their goalies play well. They did a good job clocking up the middle. And I mean, John answered that question, so. Last one from the media center. Jonas Siegel, The Athletic. Morgan, what do you think you can take from a season like this, given how strange and long and unusual it was? I think it just prepares you for the future. Uh, obviously, we experienced things that we hadn't before. And um, I mean, some good, some bad. Uh, I mean, very unusual if you look at the playoff format. Um, and I think it's just experience that we can take with us. Obviously, it's not the end result that we were looking for, but I think that we all had an opportunity to, to learn a lot about ourselves during the break and be able to reflect. And I mean, it, it's just an experience that we're going to have to take with us and learn from. And uh, I mean, hopefully in the future, we can draw from it at some point. We'll take one last question. Dan Rosen from NHL.com. Yeah, John, I'm thinking about some of your opportunities. Chris asked you about the one that hit the post, but you had a few others point blank. I mean, you look back on those, does it even surprise you a little bit that one or two didn't get in the back of the net considering those chances and how great A they were? Yeah, obviously I want to put them in. I think, you know, you just you do the best that you can. I, um, you know, a couple of them, uh, the one off the post, obviously, like I said, it's it's uh, less than an inch probably and it's in. So um, just got to find a way to put that in. So. Yeah, had some good looks. Goalie played well, but uh, you got to find a way to uh, get through it and get the results you need. All right, a dual podium right there, John Tavares and Morgan Riley. And, and Gord, maybe it's not the right time um, for this, but in future, and I know it's a different era, I would love you know more players to call out the team, to, to ignite something. Like I don't know how many times I've listened to quotes um, following disappointing moments for the Maple Leafs where it's like, oh, um. Okay, let's move on to the next one. You know, it was pretty robotic, the comments we've heard tonight. I, I get it. I mean, these guys are disappointed. Uh, they, they're, they're, you know, pumped up to go home and see their families. I get that. But I just think from the leadership core, maybe I expect more in terms of, like, John Tavares has the resume. Morgan Riley has the resume. You know, Austin Matthews brings it all the time. I want somebody to step up and voice their opinions and concerns with this hockey club. Would you agree or would you, would you be, believe in the contrary? Well, you got to be careful with that if you're a player, and I think you got to make sure you include yourself. I, I just, I just don't, you know, these post game press conferences. I really don't see much in. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, what's the point? What's the point? Like, 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 I, I, Nick, I don't think you or I would go out ten minutes after a game and choose that point to do what you say. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Like the right person calling out a team and whatever, that can prove to be the right thing. That can be part of leadership and. 
actually Austin Matthews line a comment when he said, I don't, I don't have a reason. I kind of like mm-hmm. that. Cause there isn't like, we're talking about this tonight. I'd rather have that a bunch of BS, right? Like yes. they shouldn't have lost. So there, there's no reason I can't give you a reason because we should not have lost. Right. And yeah. uh, you know, basically that's it. So in some ways about you need, it's gotta be the right person calling out and the right person's got to be able to do it in the dressing room as well. And, you know, they went a long way when Brendan Shanahan came in um, eradicating a toxic environment in the dressing room with guys that are really good guys. Most of them have gone on to other places, but it really was. That's how absurd it was at that particular point. But saying that now, it doesn't seem like a toxic environment. It seems like they all get along, but this isn't going to cut it if you want to get to the next level. And, yeah, if it means whoever the right person is to talk and shake it up a little bit and go like you're right. Say public to us. This is BS. This is unacceptable. You know, we understand that. And then you kind of go, okay, what else can you say? What what, what next question you're going to ask them? They're, they're, they're agreeing with the average Leaf fan that at this point with this team, under these circumstances against Columbus, this is unacceptable. You're right. And, and for somebody watching from, say, 10 kilometers away here in Liberty Village, it's just it was really, really concerning to me um, how many times this season we saw a lack of urgency, a lack of desperation. And maybe I'm being too harsh with that assessment. But for a team, again, uh, penciled in the way they are with the talent they have, uh, this is bewildering. It's unacceptable, in my opinion. You can't get past the Columbus Blue Jackets. But uh, here we are, the Maple Leafs falling um, three nothing in Game Five. The season is done, and the postmortem. Oh, it's just beginning. Uh, make sure to tune into Tim and Sid tomorrow night, six p.m. Eastern time, for the draft lottery. Chance to get Alexi Lafreniere, a twelve and a half percent chance. You tally things up, over thirty percent chance that he could end up with Edmonton, Pittsburgh, or the Toronto Maple Leafs. We hope uh, luck is on the blue and light side again, and he lands with the Maple Leafs. But again, just uh, a long road ahead for Leafs Nation in anticipation of next season with a start date around December 1st. Um, so it should be a lot of fun to uncover. But for now, uh, the postmortem again does continue, and we hear from the head coach, Sheldon Keefe. Reasoning behind your uh, lineup changes tonight, do you feel you got everything uh, from your uh, lineup over the course of this series? Uh, I suspect you're just asking about uh, Janssen coming in. That was an easy one for me, just simply that he was he felt ready, and uh, obviously with what's at stake here today, we wanted to have him a part of it. He's an important player for us, and he's worked really hard to be ready to play. If he didn't play today, he likely would have played had we won and played game one. So of the next series, so we figured we would use him today. In terms of our what we got from our group, I think we had uh, we had good performances from some people. And we had a group of others that, you know, I didn't think performed at their best. So um, that's pretty typical. It's pretty rare you're going to have everybody going. So I thought we had uh, enough out of the people that were important, obviously, with the exception of the puck going over the line. Next question upstairs. Yeah, Sheldon, Chris Johnson. Uh, can you take us through your, your rationale or what you were thinking as, as you kept, obviously, Matthews, Marner, and Tavares together a lot of the game and just balancing wanting to have – you know, at all on one line or, or balancing the lineup that, that those kind of decisions. Well, we've, we've obviously found it difficult through this series to, to generate offense and, and get chances. <clears throat> and, uh, thought that our best opportunity 
to do so would be to, to have those guys playing together. Also, that uh, I liked Will in the middle when we made the change in game four. And the fact that really in, in games three and four in particular, um, our second line was, was getting outplayed pretty badly. So uh, you know, all those things combined, I, I wanted to go with that today. Uh, I made the change to go back in the third period to it. Uh, just to try to see if we could tax their defense a little bit more and have some benefit there, but that didn't uh, seem to work either, so we went back to it. Next question. Hey, Sheldon, uh, Justin Cuthbert, Yahoo Sports. We've heard a lot from the players that they sort of knew what to expect from Columbus in this series, uh, I guess, after these losses and the reasons why they've, they've pointed out that they knew what Columbus was good at. So over the five-game sample, I'm wondering – what from Columbus did surprise you in this series? I would say that the, probably the, the, and it's not necessarily in this series, you know, as we really broke down in the video and preparing for the series and then watching them in the, the exhibition game for myself, that was the first time seeing them live. I had never coached against them. The biggest surprise for me, uh, I guess, would just be their skill level. Throughout their lineup, they have uh, a, and you know there's a lot of focus on their defense, Jones and Wierenski, but uh, they've got a really high skill level on forward. Um, obviously, Dubois is the is the game breaker for them, but a real high skill level, and it doesn't necessarily show up on the score sheet for them all the time. But they're really good in possession. They hold on to the puck. They can make a play. They put it to good spot. They play with good intelligence. Their forwards are really, really good um, in those areas of the game. And then obviously just seeing firsthand the fact that, you know, Wierenski and Jones are as good a deep pair as there is in the NHL. Up next in the media center. Uh, Sheldon, it's Kevin here at Toronto Star. I know this is not really your department, more Kyle's, but uh, how close and how will you be keeping on the draft lottery uh, phase two tomorrow night where you guys have as good a chance as anybody landing that. All right. So there's a bit from Sheldon Keefe and his uh, post-series, post-game podium uh, from a couple moments ago, um, gushing clearly about the Columbus Blue Jackets, but uh, just a, a a difficult, difficult evening. And what else do you want him to say though, right, Gord? Yeah. And he, he also said he's not really watching the lot. I mean, he will be. You know, <laughs> yes, he will. It, is, <laughs> but it, but it, wasn't, it wasn't his goal before the puck drop tonight yeah. and um yeah i i under very difficult circumstances uh, i i have liked the job sheldon keith has done they would not be in the playoffs if they did not turn it around under sheldon keith they dug a deep hole in the brief mike babcock era this year it's just difficult when you really don't have the answers just a couple moments after a game uh, from there we're going to roll down to scotia bank arena where we're joined with the one and only pride of coburg himself uh, chris johnson of sportsnet sportsnet.ca and Hockey Night in Canada, disappointing to have this conversation, CJ, but the season is complete for the Maple Leafs. Uh, any quotes catch your eye at the at the end there in the uh, podiums? No, I, this isn't a good spot to learn too much, although I, I will say that, you know, Sheldon Keefe's quote about, you know, the essentially boiling down to the, the puck lock the Leafs didn't have in the series. I mean, that's one of those ones that I think you're going to hear brought out again. And, and, you know, I actually happen to believe he's right or that he's he's not – overstating things here you know Toronto uh was was not very far off and and obviously hit a few posts and crossbars and 
you know, we, we see the way Columbus plays, especially once he gets a lead. You know, that was a, a clear factor here. But I think that that'll be probably the post-game quote that, that angers some fans that are inclined to think that there needs to be more of an explanation. But I think it's a true window into how both Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas are going to view this thing. And, you know, to me that sets up as an offseason where we'll find out how committed to the, their process they are, you know, how much they're willing to double down on, on some of the, the ways they believe this team needs to be built and play and, and how patient they can be because obviously this is a, a frustrating series loss um, you know, under these circumstances. I think the Leafs really believe they had a team to go on a long run and here they are done after five games. You know, and, and aside from the puck luck and everything else, Chris, we talk game in, game out. You cover them every day. And Sheldon's keys line the other day when they blew the lead. Um, this is where really they deserved all year. This has been just been flat out a disappointing season from game one. That's fair. I think they won game one, so maybe that one was all right. Game um, two. There was lots of hope at that point. You know, look, it, it, it was not a good year. I don't think there's any way to spin it as such. Um, you know, this was expected to be one of the best teams in the league. And entering this playoffs, they, they weren't, right? I think they had the 13th best uh, points percentage in, in the league through the 70 games before the pause. And that this team isn't built to be middle of the pack or just a little bit ahead of middle of the pack. And so, you know, I think the bar has to be higher. Uh, you know, I think their defense has some, some serious questions. And obviously, you know, with Tyson Berry, who unfortunately got injured tonight and, and – Cody Cece both be UFAs. I mean, and, and the cap being where it is. I mean, this, this is it's clear that it's going to be a, a different looking group on the back end, in particular, uh, coming back next year. Um, but you know, for a lot of different reasons, this year didn't work out well. You know, I think if there's one thing, if we're going to already get into second guessing, which is totally fair, this mm-hmm. is pro sports, and we've had a lot of time to think and talk. Uh, you know, I think even a small decision or relatively small decision about the backup goaltender, uh, you know, really cost the Leafs this year. Michael Hutchinson just wasn't up to the job and, and the Leafs gave away a lot of points in the first half of the schedule in the games that he was forced to play or coming in relief. And you get down to the playoff series like this, you know, maybe Toronto wasn't playing Columbus if they had to won a game or two more in those situations. So I, I think that there's, there's a lot that needs to be learned from and improved upon on this year. I, I think there was positives too. I thought Austin Matthews was a beast in this series, for example. And, you know, we already knew he's a great player. He scored a lot of goals and, you know, earned a lot of headlines, but I think he took a, a measurable step uh, in his game this season. So, you know, it's not all a disaster, but but certainly it's a fascinating offseason, and, and it comes at a time when the job is going to get tougher because, we, you know, we're not expecting a cap to go up very much, if at all, in the next couple seasons. And so this, this management group is going to have to be creative. With Chris Johnson, the Maple Leaf season is done losing in five games, 3-0 here to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, do, you, do you expect, you know, I, I know this is fresh, CJ, I get it. I mean, plenty of columns ahead for you and plenty of speculation ahead for all of us at Leafs Nation. But do you expect, like, if it were you, I mean, would you investigate a seismic change to the core guys? I mean, namely, say, a William Nylander? Uh, tough question. You know, I, yeah. I think you have to explore everything. I, I don't know that that would be my priority right now. I mean, because let's face it, the Leafs don't face a true cap crunch, what I would call a crunch, until the next, you know, the next offseason. I was going to say the next summer, but I don't know how all this is going to line up. But they do have one more year here where they don't have major decisions. You know, they have to sign Ilya Mikheyev. I think that's going to be a, an easy contract. I know there's been at least a little bit of talk. Uh, you know, I think that's going to be a one-year deal at, at not crazy money. 
you know, Travis Dermott is another player that's a restricted free agent. He needs a new deal. But, you know, it's the following season when you have Morgan Riley and, and Frederick Anderson both in a position uh, to be unrestricted free agents. So And so either you have to be thinking about upping them. Can you trade either of them or one of them? Can you bring in their replacement in some way? Do you already have that person in-house? I mean, I, I do think that there's room for next season to – stick with a group, a core group that's largely the same and, and you know, give it one more shot. So I, I would probably be inclined not to trade one of those guys, but I also at the same time am cognizant of the fact that we're going to see just a seismic offseason around the league. I think this is going to mm-hmm. be a crazy period. And so because of that, there might be some opportunities that I don't know about or that I can't even envision right now uh, for the Leafs to, to redo things. Um, but but certainly we're we're very close to that being a fair conversation. I, I, I'm not fully there myself. I think Nylander had uh, a really good regular season. Uh, I think Marner can can be even better, but he, but he's still you know trended towards 90 points. Uh, as I said already, I think Matthews had a, a great year, probably the best of that bunch for for me. Um, and so I, I would I would probably give it one more go, but. You know, it's it's going to be it's it's getting to the point though. I mean, you have to think about how you're allocating the money because half the cap is tied up in those four players. Yeah, you know, and um, and I, and I'm with one thing about Brendan Shanahan. You know him well, and Kyle Dubas and that. Like, he's not an impatient guy, or he is an impatient guy. I guess, I guess, which is the same thing, not an impatient guy. And and he gets it. Like the Washington Capitals stuck with it, had many disappointments. 